Kevin Barrett, blowing up my academic career and reputation by waging truth jihad since 2006 on the internet airwaves. My work is 100% crowdfunded by folks who may or may not agree with all of my individual views on each of the many issues I cover on this show, but who like to hear interesting and provocative free speech discussions of those and other issues. So please help this show continue. Subscribe to my Substack, kevinbarrett.substack.com, or you can give a one-time donation by sending a PayPal gift to truthjihad at gmail.com. Welcome. This is the first hour of Truth Jihad Radio Special Live Weekend Edition. I'm Kevin Barrett, bringing you voices from outside the mainstream who have something important to say. Got a mini academic conference going today. In the second hour, psychology professor Kevin McDonald returns to the show. He's been recently posting about Palestine-related topics, and he's posted things that will probably annoy people on both sides of that issue. So that should be a lively hour. The second half hour of the show is coming up in 30 minutes from now. Professor Michael Brenner of Pitt is uh, an international relations professor who actually has uh, an iota of common sense. He just published America Declares War. Actually, I published it because the CFR of the New York Times and Washington Post apparently didn't want it. So uh, I got the honors of publishing it at Veterans Today. It's a brilliant piece. It's way better than all that crap that the mainstream international relations people are publishing. And he raises the big question, do we really have to wage all-out war on pretty much the whole world, starting with Russia and China? What's the point of this? Are there alternatives? For some reason, nobody else in the profession seems to be willing to ask those kinds of questions. And now in the first hour, Virginia Abernethy is on to talk about her new book, Born Abroad. Virginia Abernethy is apparently very controversial for her anti-immigration views. When I was going over her history, it reminded me that my father, a liberal Democrat, was convinced by Malthusian arguments that he should join with the people in the Sierra Club who were totally zero population growth or even negative population growth. And he strongly supported a complete ban on immigration to the United States. This was back in the 1970s. And he was a liberal Democrat, just like my communist aunt actually totally bought into the bell curve back when that was published. These days, you can't even imagine people on the left side of the political spectrum doing anything but throwing rotten fruit at people uh, like, well, Kevin McDonald and Virginia Abernethy. But I think we should listen to them. And so here she is. Hey, welcome, Virginia. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thanks for asking. Yeah, well, it's good to have you on, and congratulations on your book, Born Abroad. Uh, tell us about how that came about. Uh, well, um, how that came about, if you want to read my preface, is that my youngest daughter asked me to write my obituary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. Was she, she going to pay you by the word in advance, I hope? Uh, well, she wants, she likes to be prepared. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. That's the Boy Scouts marching song, you know, be I prepared. So. <laughs> and and um, in any event, uh, her father had just died. And so she thought it would be nice if I saved the family a lot of trouble um, in the uh, expectation that um, they might have to go through the event again. So <laughs> the obituary turned into a book. And I enjoyed writing it. Yeah, your your history sounds really interesting. 
Uh, and it's kind of, uh, parallel a little bit, you know, to some, uh, well, like, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm now living abroad and I'm in a sort of bicultural family. My wife is Moroccan and we spent the first, uh, 30 years of our marriage in the United States. And now we're going to spend the next 30 years, inshallah, here in Morocco. Uh, and that, you know, experience of, you know, two cultures, is formative for me, and it must have been for you. You're born in Cuba. You're uh, fluent en español. Tengo que practicar mi español porque uh, I'm going to visit uh, Melilla, Spain, to renew my visa very soon. Anyway, uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about that because you know it's it's uh, probably unusual that people who are you know attacked by the SPLC as supposed white supremacists are like bicultural and you know born in Cuba and and all of that. Well, yes, my father was with uh, an oil company. That's now in ill repute, of course. Exxon, though, survives happily. And so he was transferred various places. And when I was three, we moved to Argentina. And I think it was there that I began to be aware of how different uh, expectations were among the Argentines as opposed to the American um, ex patriots, expats, I call them, and actually a very large British colony. And that British colony uh, was was feeling, of course, its home roots because World War II um, began shortly after we moved to Buenos Aires. And I went to a British school. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, and, it, yeah. Uh, so, so you, so, and okay, go ahead. In, in my book, I mentioned that the Argentine government required uh, Spanish to be taught half day. So we had our English lessons in the morning and we had our Spanish lessons, which often covered similar uh, content in the afternoon. And that's when I realized that the um, little island south of Argentina and Chile, uh, called the Falklands Islands, uh, were called by the Argentines Las Malvinas. And they're very possessive of Las Malvinas. And not so long ago, which many of people now um, will remember, is that the Argentine Navy actually made an assault on Las Malvinas and the British, calling them the Falcons Islands, Maggie Thatcher was prime minister at the time, uh, defended strongly. And I think Maggie Thatcher made her point. These are called the Falkland Islands, and the British still are there, I think. Okay, that's Virginia Abernethy, one of the three academic heretics that we're talking to today. Now let's move on to another academic heretic, Michael Brenner, who I think his his points might even be more crucially important in that they could save the world from being destroyed in the not-too-distant future if people would somehow pay attention to the possibility that there might be an alternative to this crazed uh, American exceptionalist war on the world in general and on Russia and China in particular. Do we really have to be at war with Russia and China? 
what, what, which of our interests are they such mortal threats to? Is there perhaps an alternative way of dealing with them? For some reason, these questions never get asked in any of the establishment discourse, especially among international affairs professionals who apparently are looking for promotions and publicity among all of the august institutions in that discipline. So Michael Brenner is one of the lonely voices making sense. (laughs) I just had the chance to publish his great new article, America Declares War, because I, he sent it out many hours later, I looked around. I didn't see anybody else who'd published it, and I thought this is this is one of the best articles in the field I've seen in ages. I might as well publish it myself. And so here we go, uh, and it's 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 great. Let's talk about it. Welcome, Michael Brenner. How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, thank you, uh, Kevin, for the invitation to to join you. Yeah. Well, thank you for your terrific work. You've been putting out material of uncommon common sense and it occurs to me that your perspective might not have been quite so minoritarian and controversial back when i was taking some foreign policy classes at the university of wisconsin in the 1970s that at that time it seemed like you know there was not a sort of neocon wolfowitz doctrine consensus there were different views of the cold war at that time and Today, I don't really see that much diversity of opinion uh, in the international affairs field. Everybody seems to have been swallowed up by this Wolfowitz Doctrine neoconservative war on the world party line, which, as you point out, is completely insane. So what what happened to the field? Well, you put your finger on a, uh, you know, outstanding feature of the current situation, which really has no precedent, no precedent in, in, in two respects. First, this degree of conformity. Uh, I think that's the more appropriate term because there is a, uh, in effect, an orthodoxy which has been in a part in, imposed on, on the populace and an orthodoxy which most of the populace adheres to out of uh, some kind of unspoken need for, uh, you know, unity, communion, and sort of, you know, collective identification of an enemy against whom one can organize. Uh, The other peculiar feature of it, of course, is that this sort of war, as I call it in hypotheses, that's been declared in effect against anyone and any group of nations that impede the United States' effort, uh, supported by its auxiliaries in in Western Europe and, uh, of course, ANZAC, Japan, and South Korea, this attempt to entrench, you know, American sort of hegemony and, in fact, to institutionalize it, that this uh, project, we want to call it, call it that, is being launched in a security environment in which there is no manifest tangible threat to either American security in terms of international integrity or to American core interests. And now, of course, the main targets of this effort are China and, uh, and Russia. But neither one has any interest, intention, or idea 
of attacking the United States in any sort of direct or even indirect way, if you like. And yet we have cast them, or we've cast China somehow, in the role of uh, Imperial Japan in World War II, and uh, Russia as a sort of combination or sort of meld of the Stalin and Soviet Union, and, uh, you know, uh, or in the words used by Hillary Clinton and Nancy Pelosi and many so-called pundits, uh, you know, a new Hitler. Now, all of this, of course, is fantasy. It's totally disconnected from reality. And yet it, it passes as, as, as a gospel truth, right, and serves as the foundation for what is said and what is written by our elected officials, by politicos, by nearly the end, as you've noted, by nearly the entirety of the American foreign policy community and, of course, you know, by the media. Uh, and beyond that, by a lot of private institutions, businesses, universities, who are proscribing any kind of expression of concern for the Palestinians by insisting that that uh, translates immediately and directly into approval for Hamas and its atrocious acts. All of this is, as I said, is unprecedented. And I think it's indications of the extent to which American society as a whole, and our political leadership in particular, uh, has lost touch with and is disengaged from reality. Dissociation is the term psychologists use. And, of course, it's, it's perverse and carries with it profound negative consequences.